0: Hey guys, how nice is this being back on our own, just you and me. We've had quite a few guests the last couple of uh, episodes because of course we did the crime podcast. Make sure that you go and listen to that. Even if you think you don't like crime, interesting. So fascinating. Loved my conversations with um, Isaiah, Victoria and Dr. Lauren Humby. Go check it out. Um, Anyway, it's nice just to be back just on our own and to start off, to kick off the year You know me, I thought I'd just go straight for the jugular, straight for something heavy, which of course would be the opening story of 2022 is the ongoing saga of what has happened to tennis player, tennis star Novak Dokovic. So I want to unpack that today. Not by the way, because I really care about tennis. I'm really sorry, all you tennis lovers. I'm not sporty. I really don't have much interest in sport. To be honest, I barely knew who Novak Djokovic was until this story started unfolding. But there's so much to unpack in it. Um, And like I said, not because of tennis, um, but because I think what's happened is this one guy has managed to expose... Spearhead and highlight what's going on in our country and really across the world, and the fact that we seem to be really split down the middle with everything that's happening right now in regards to the pandemic. Now, on Monday, we found out that he was to be deported, but um, I'll I'll do you a quick timeline for those of you like me who are like, "Who the heck even is he? What's happening?" Um, I'll do you a quick timeline, but really, there's just so much more to unpack in this whole story and. I want to. Um, I want to be really balanced. I want to try and come at it, at it from, look at it from both points of view, um, because it has seemed to have split Australia and beyond. So, quick timeline, quick explanation. Um, so, as most of you would know, the Australian Open always happens in Melbourne every year in January. Okay, it's called the Australian Open. And the best players gather from all around the world um, to fight out for the title. Now, Novak Djokovic uh, from Serbia, one of the um, best tennis players in the world, refused to disclose his vaccination status in order to get into Australia to participate. But he was given an exemption to enter Australia. And this process, by the way, was run jointly by Tennis Australia and the Victoria government. Okay. So what happened? Novak Djokovic tested positive to COVID on December 16 in Serbia. And he then gained an exemption on that basis by Tennis Australia and by an independent medical exemption review panel. So with that in hand, he flies into Melbourne and upon touchdown, his visa is immediately cancelled by border force officials due to Quote unquote, issues with his vaccine status. Now, just note this same department that just cancelled his visa was the same department that gave him a visa and granted his exemption back in January 1 or 4, I think it was. So he was taken away he was left in the hotel first for eight hours in question. Then he was put in a government detention hotel, which apparently was really disgusting, which is another whole issue. Um, and he requested, please, can I find my own accommodation, have my own chef? All of that was denied. Meanwhile, by the way, and I'll talk about this in a, in a moment in more detail, two other players before Dokovic arrived also entered Melbourne successfully with an official in tow with the exact same exemption, okay? Which, by the way, they have also since been, um, I don't know if they went back at their own free will or if they were deported as well. Anyway, from there, it's basically been this a, a series of court battles. I talk about hitting a tennis ball backwards and forwards, that's literally what this whole saga has been like. First, the government tried to delay his visa court hearing until after the Australian draw is finalized. Bit of a dirty move, because if he couldn't participate in that, then he wouldn't be able to participate in the open. By January 10, though, Dokovic wins his appeal against being deported. Okay, his visa gets reinstated by Judge Kelly. Now, Judge Kelly, who quashed the original decision to revoke his visa, he said, quote, what more could this man have done? He did everything right, unquote. So just file that away into your mind. He did everything right, according to the first judge. So Dokovic leaves the hotel, he starts training, then the media leaks him being seen in public in back in Serbia, back in December 16, a few hours after he received a positive COVID test. Now he explained that he Did that to attend a media interview and a photo shoot. Obviously, that would not fly here in Australia, but that happened back in Serbia. Now, by Jan 14, four days later, our immigration minister, Alex Hawke, he overturned the court decision, cancelled his visa again. Okay, so remember, got a visa, visa cancelled, visa reinstated, now it's cancelled again. And the immigration minister's reason was on health and good order grounds. So Dokovic and his lawyers went back to court to try and overturn the government decision, but the ruling was made Monday, two days ago, that he would be deported. His visa was cancelled, and the reason was to protect our federal government's vaccination policy and to stop anti-vaccination dissent in Australia. Okay. That's the reason given. Now, according to the prime minister on his Facebook post on Monday, uh, he gave three grounds to his visa being canceled and they were health, safety, and good order. So just here's a second thing to file away. He was not deported because he broke rules. Okay. They said that he didn't break any rules. His paperwork was all good. His exemption was legitimate. He did nothing wrong. So, what did he do? He had a different opinion. He doesn't have the vaccine. And that is the reason he's deported. Okay. Remember the three reasons for health, safety, and good order, or to protect the Australian vaccination policy and to stop anti vaccination dissent. So, that's where we are. Okay. So, let's do what we do here on Girl Next Door and let's unpack a few things. And I'm going to try and present both sides to the argument. And I mean, look, to be honest, it took me a while to get my head around. I'm literally, things were changing so quickly. I could barely keep up. So this is my best take on what I know and what I've kind of researched. So feel free to, you know, jump, jump into my DMs or whatever, and just say, Hey, what about this, this, but I'm pretty sure I've gotten this right. So I want to be balanced. I want to try and give you both sides of the fence because this has kind of split Australia apparently, although it's always hard to know. Um, All right. So here are some thoughts I have. Firstly, I think I've got about five or six thoughts. Firstly, the immigration minister and the prime minister said that Dokovic needs to be deported on health grounds. Okay. That was the first reason given. So let's just unpack that for a moment. Let's ask the question, what health grounds are they talking about? Because they're clearly suggesting that Dokovic is somehow a health risk to Australians. So what might they be talking about? Okay. For those who firmly believe in the safety and efficacy of the vaccine, they would agree with that straight away. Just the fact that he is not vaccinated means that he is a health risk. Um, and so, they would clearly be using that as their as their back their backing for that. Okay, so let's. I think what's happening though is people's belief in the safety and efficacy of the vaccine is starting to wane. So I think those who fully are convinced about the vaccine's uh, safety and efficacy would agree with this decision, but those who are watching and going. I am not so sure anymore about the safety and efficacy. I don't know. Let's leave out the safety part of it, okay? I don't think the safety part of it's got anything to do with with this particular argument. Let's just address the efficacy. So if we really unpack the data and the unfolding story here in Australia, it's probably not too hard to see that it's perhaps not as efficacious as we were first told. So A... We now know that people who are vaccinated are at the same risk of catching COVID, which at first we were told that you had a much less risk of catching COVID. Um, B, we also know that those who are vaccinated are at the same risk of transmitting it. There's um, articles talking about the viral load is the same in the noses of vaccinated people to unvaccinated, whereas at first we were told we had a much reduced risk, I think up to 86%. Less risk of transmitting it, so that hasn't proven to be true. And C, I think we're also beginning to see that neither is it lessening the severity of people's symptoms, because people that are catching it, whether they're vaxxed or unvaxxed, it just seems to be reacting differently to everybody's body. So let's just have a look at some of the, you know, uh, specialists, I guess. Now, according to the CEO of Pfizer you know, you would consider him to be fairly up there with knowing what's going on. Last week in an interview, he said that being double vaccinated actually now they're finding offers no protection to infection or serious illness. And a third booster may reduce hospitalization. OK, so that's the latest starter coming out from Pfizer themselves And I obviously live in Queensland. So I'm watching our chief health officer, um, on the daily. And, um, that seems to be backed by him because I actually quite like the way he reports here in Queensland. He's, he is honest, which I really appreciate. I felt like we weren't getting honesty before, but I feel like he's a bit more honest. Um, and that he said that, uh, he reports that those being most affected are mostly vaccinated people ending up, um, in, in the ICU. But of course that makes sense, right? Because if over 90% of the population here in Queensland are allegedly vaccinated, then of course there's going to be more vaccinated people in hospital. Um, but he is very clear that they, um, that they always have at least one serious other underlying health condition. Okay. So, Dokovic clearly is unvaccinated. Okay, so let's look at that. He is unvaccinated. So, why did he get his exemption? He got his exemption on the grounds that he's had COVID. Okay, so remember what we're unpacking here, how much of a health risk is he? So we've just unpacked that there seems to be waning data about the vaccine. So those people probably disagree with him being deported, but those who uh, would still be in the camp that the vaccine is very efficacious would probably be glad that he's been deported. But let's look at the reason he was allowed in. He was unvaccinated, but he got an exemption on the grounds that he's had COVID. Now, this is something that's in the Australian government health website itself. According to the Australian government health website, those who have had COVID have immunity for at least six months. If you want the uh, link to that, DM me and I'll send it to you, but you can look it up yourself. So I guess based on that, if he's not vaccinated, but therefore he's got immunity because he's had the uh, he's had COVID just in December, so really he should have immunity at least until kind of like June of this year. I do wonder what was the reason on deporting him for health reasons? Like, what health threat is he then? If he has natural immunity, he's actually safer to the Australian population than a vax competitor who hasn't had COVID because he can't get it again and therefore he can't spread it. So he's not a health risk, whereas a vax player can get it and can spread it. So based on that, it seems to me that his, um you know, it, it's questionable that his visa is being cancelled on health grounds. So to agree that he is a health threat, you would have to not believe in natural immunity, which I think flies in the face of science. And you must believe that the vaccines are protecting us. But I think if you look around you, do. Like, let me ask you the question, do you really think that they are and in what way? So when we hear the government citing deportation on health grounds, but we can find no health grounds, what this does, and I think this is what is happening, is it makes people really suspicious. Um, I think it makes people question exactly, you know, how one of the most super fit, healthy tennis players in the world is a health risk. And, And I think that that's kind of fair enough. Okay, secondly, people are wondering... How actually does our judicial system work here in Australia? Because I've seen this being questioned and I think it's a really good question. Like, who has the most power? Because we've seen his visa be granted, cancelled, granted, cancelled. So is it our judicial system or is it the government? Now, some people are concerned that the government is, you know, how come they're allowed to overturn a decision made by the courts? And this is leading some people to believe, you know, is there is there tyranny um, going on in our country? But let me unpack this for you just a little bit and maybe shed some light. According to Section 133C3 of the Migration Act, Our immigration minister, who, by the way, is Alex Hawke, he does actually have the right to do this. He's got the right to overturn a judicial system if it's for the best uh, interest of our country. So really, it's not so much that there's tyranny um, at play here. But what I will say is when the public's trust in our government is at an all-time low, I think the government needs to have very, very good reason for flipping a decision that was made by the courts. And I think in this case, this is where people's concerns probably lay, because remember, Dokovic was deported for health, safety and to minimize civil unrest. And so if people can see, well, hang on, he broke no law, he broke no rule then people are going to question how the government could have overturned that because the only thing that he did do wrong seems to be that he disagreed with the government. So that leads people to question, is it now, excuse me, is it now illegal to have a different opinion to the government? Um, Who might they throw out of our country next because they didn't disobey the law but because they disagreed with government? And I think that's probably the most concerning issue um, concerning people out of this whole uh, saga is that are we still allowed to have our own opinion anymore? All right. Third thing I think that people are feeling is, and that I'm hearing and seeing in the media is, well, he lied. He lied. He lied twice. He doesn't deserve to be here so he needs to go. All right, so let's unpack that. So first, his first lie was the fact that um, I don't think it was so much a lie, but he was out in public while he had COVID. And that is correct that that happened. But you've got to remember that was back in December 16 when he was in Serbia. So I don't think that that was a lie. I think, yes, that was very unwise. It wouldn't um, have gone down well here in Australia. And maybe that did his reputation some damage here in Australia. Um, But I don't think that changes things now. I think that was more an issue for Serbia, to deal with. Um, the other lie that has been uh, talked about in the media is the fact that his agent filled out his border pass form wrong. You know how when you've got to fill out those border passes when you're either before you get on the plane or when you're on the plane? Uh, so he ticked the no box to have you traveled anywhere else in the past 14 days. Um, but he had traveled and the agent ticked no. So I guess that makes people go, well, okay let's take it at good good face value. Maybe English being their second language, he made a mistake and that's all it was. Or if you want to be more, more sinister about it, uh, let's say he lied on purpose. Um, and is that bad that he lied on his form? Yes, it's actually a, an, an official, um, it's actually an offense to lie on, on proper official government um, forms. But honestly, I had a friend the other week who flew into Brisbane and filled out her border pass wrong. And um, she filled it out that she had COVID (laughs) and then was walking around the airport and they're like, what the heck? Um, She got pulled aside. Um, You know, it does happen, but could it have been on purpose? Well, let's take the worst case scenario. Let's say, yes, they filled it wrong on purpose, But you've got to remember, that was still not the reason that he was deported. They didn't say, you filled in your border pass wrong. You said that you hadn't traveled and you had. You're a threat to our country, so you need to be deported. Um, In fact, the court said the opposite. They said that his paperwork was fine. So I do question again, what difference would that have made? If he had COVID on December the 16th and his exemption was granted because of that, because therefore he's got immunity... Even if he had traveled to the worst hotspot in the world before coming to Australia, um, you're telling me that if they ticked yes, they would have stopped him from coming in. I don't see that happening because the reason he was allowed in is he had immunity. So even if he traveled to a hotspot, the chances of him catching COVID were so like literally zero almost. They're minimal because he'd already just had it. And the other thing that I would say to this, this is me being like real full-blown unpacking, you know, that how we should be thinking, I guess, is how about we use that filter, that filter about, oh my gosh, he lied. Let's use that filter on our premieres, our CHOs, the CEOs of the pharmaceutical companies. Um, Because there's so much information that they tell us one minute and then they change their mind the next. And I don't know. Are those things considered a lie? Like I remember here in Queensland, Jeanette Young, who was our former chief health officer. Now she's our um, what do you call it? I forget her name, her title. She's she's anyway she's had a she's had a promotion, um, but she changed her mind within a week about AstraZeneca when it first came out. One minute she said, "No way, we're not letting our 18 year olds have it. I don't want them to have blood clots." And a week later. They're, she's telling everyone, no, 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 it's safe. If you're this age group, go out and get AstraZeneca. Was that was that a lie? I don't know. I remember Anna Pallage, I clearly remember this because I asked her for her sources. I'm like, please give me your sources to this. She said on her Facebook page that if you have the vaccine, you've got an 86% less chance of transmitting COVID. Well, clearly that's not true because if 90% are vaccinated, look at the, um, look at the spike in cases that we've got. So that cannot be true. I don't know. Was that a lie? Um, so I just find it interesting that the government, you know, did they just lie about the real reason for deporting him? Because I just don't really see the health grounds. Um, I don't see that he's a health risk based on all those things I just said. All right. Fourthly, Another line of thinking I've seen is since the unvaxxed can come into Australia, if they quarantine for two weeks, why can't he stay? Because by the time this whole saga was going backwards and forwards, he was in hotel quarantine for, I think it was almost two weeks or if not two weeks with all the rigmarole going on. So really on top of the fact that he had immunity, hasn't he kind of served his time? Like he's quarantined, um, you know, for those that will say, oh, he broke the rules. Well, he didn't break the rules. We, we've unpacked that. I think I'm going to unpack that a little bit further. But, um, you know, so why couldn't he stay since he'd served his quarantine time? Okay, let's address number five, the second reason they deported him. So according to the immigration minister and the prime minister, his ongoing presence may lead to an increase in civil unrest of the kind previously experienced in Australia with rallies and protests, which may themselves be a source of community transmission. That's what our immigration minister said. So what he's referring to are the freedom rallies that have been going on for months in every state of Australia. Now, let's have a look at that. Despite how the media has presented that, the media has presented those rallies like the people who attended were a small number. I literally saw that myself. I saw the media saying, oh, only a few hundred or a few thousand turned up and made it look like it was a small number of crazy extremists. When if you look at your sources and you go beyond mainstream media, that was not true. Um, you have a look at the helicopter footage of how many people attended in Melbourne, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, as far as the eye could see. So let's talk about that first, the government's fear of civil unrest. I find it really interesting how the immigration minister paints these rallies in a negative light. Um, I find it interesting that he calls them civil unrest. What do you think do you think those rallies are civil unrest um, or are we allowed to protest in Australia or are we only allowed to protest certain things in Australia that the majority of societies say are acceptable? For example, it was okay, I guess, to protest Black Lives Matters. Was that called civil unrest? No, it wasn't. So not to my knowledge. So does it depend on what the protests are about? Well, that's kind of concerning on two levels. Firstly, I, this is a free country. Well, I think it is. Um, we are allowed to. It's our, it's our right as an Australian citizen for free speech and to rally and to protest uh, as long as it's done peaceably. Um, now, if that's now seen as civil unrest, then we are in trouble. If we can't rally for something we believe in, or something that we're told we're not allowed to believe in, then who gets to determine that? And secondly, I find it interesting that they were so concerned that the civil unrest might lead to protests and rallies where transmission, more transmission could occur There's actually no proof, no evidence whatsoever that transmission happened at any of these rallies. There was never a spike of cases after any of the rallies. When the spike of cases came was when our borders opened. They were not even close to when these rallies happened. So I don't know. What do you think? What do you think maybe the Immigration Minister and the government are really afraid of? I find that really interesting that they're citing civil unrest and number 6 uh this is the one I was referring to before um one of the reasons I see a lot of people agreeing with what happened is because they're like rules are rules we've got rules in this country we've got vaccination rules so you know rules are rules and if he doesn't want to play by them then he doesn't get to come in so that's an interesting thought because a number of reasons firstly there were two tennis players and another official who entered quietly and without fanfare before he did on the same exemption. So I'm just wondering, you know, why those two players and an official were allowed through and why Dokovic was made such a fanfare about, like why was he pointed out and made the pin-up boy for being the rule breaker. Um, and clearly, as you know, um, he actually, he actually didn't break the rules because that's not, again, the reason why he was deported. So for those that say, well, Australia has rules and you've got to be vaccinated to enter, then how did the other group get in? Um, Why does our official government website say that medical exemptions can be given to people who had COVID, which is what he had? So actually, Novak Djokovic did play by the rules. He actually did. He actually was abiding by our rules. Uh, which is why he was not deported for breaking any rules, because he didn't. He upheld them, which is why the Department of Housing Affairs granted him an entry visa in the first place. So it's all very suspicious, isn't it? It's all very interesting. The only conclusion I can reasonably come to is that perhaps there is. this is more about not wanting more civil unrest or anti-vax dissent And it really is not so much about health at all. So with data about efficacy of the vaccine changing almost daily, it seems that we're not allowed to question it. We're not allowed to make the choice to be unvaccinated because that really is the message that's being sent to the Australian people and around the world by what just happened to Novak Djokovic. Um, that what is unacceptable is not breaking a rule because he didn't, but holding a different view to the government. And to be honest, I think if we had better data that the vaccines were turning out to be efficacious, I think more people might be willing to, to have accepted the decision. Um, But we're not seeing that evidence. And so people I think based on that do have the right to ask questions and to choose for themselves. So I wonder if the government are afraid of civil unrest, not because of the harm that it will really do to you and me, but the harm that it will do to them. So let me finish with this, something that you might not know about Dokovic. Um, Of course you will all remember the bushfires that happened in January of 2020 Um, it just seems so long ago now, but it wasn't, it was only just two years ago. On the 5th of January in 2020, another tennis player, Maria Sharapova tweeted about how for 15 years in the month of January, Australia has always been her home while she played at the Australian Open. And in her tweet, she donated $25,000 towards the Bushfire Fund and then started to tag other tennis players in. And the first one she tagged in was Novak Dokovic. And I've got his tweet right in front of me. You can look it up. Um, And Novak Dokovic replied, yes, at Maria Sharapova. I would like to match your $25,000 donation to double the aid sent to these communities. We stand by you, Australia, with the prayer emoji. Now, you might say, well, $25,000 is not much. No, maybe it's not to him. But the fact is, he's still um, willingly gave generously, um, money started off by Maria Sharapova and, you know, he's got hashtag, you know, stand, stand by Australia. And two years ago to the month he stood by us and it's kind of maybe a little bit sad, a little bit embarrassing and quite un-Australian that this is how Australia has treated him in return. So, yeah, I guess I'll look forward to the coming weeks just to see, look, this is going to become old news really soon. But I do kind of want to continue to follow this story and just see how the world is thinking about this. Very interesting. I saw it in the news today that one of the lies apparently that we shouldn't believe, that Australians shouldn't believe, is that we look bad. Australia looks bad to the rest of the world. And then they cited all of these newspapers that um, that are like, yes, well done Australia. And the funny thing is those are all the newspapers that, um, I would say very kind of like left leaning. Um, and it's not a balanced view because I've seen plenty of news articles and people who are really well known in America who are saying, uh, not only in America, actually in the UK, who are saying that this is very embarrassing towards Australia. So, don't be fooled by the articles that you're reading in mainstream media. Do do your homework and look at both sides. Um, that's really important, I think, in this day and age because we we just can't seem to trust what we're being fed, and so we have to do our own research and looking at both sides. I think is really important. So I hope that I've kind of presented that to you today. Um, it's been a very interesting thing to unwatch and to unpack. So there you go, guys. You're amazing not this Friday, but next Friday, I start back with parenthood episodes. So be sure to check that back, Uh, share that with your friends. Otherwise, I really look forward to a great year with Girl Next Door. Uh, Let's see if we can double our downloads this year. We got over 100,000. It'd be awesome if we could get over 200,000. That'd be amazing. Um, And I really appreciate you guys when you rate and review and share. Love you guys so much. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you on next Wednesday. Bye.